Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you. Morning. How are you? I am doing well. Here we are in, in May. It's our, our first weekend of May, and it's here in Florida, at least, or most of Florida, I guess, at least. Um, it's the last month of the school year, and um, everybody is ready for schools to be school to be over this year. The, the, the year has gone really fast. Right. It, it seems as though it has. And I'm sure that anybody who's involved in schooling, parents, uh, teachers, it seems as though this year went by in a hurry. Um, we're all still catching up from the pandemic and all that, but um, lots of news in education, lots of changes coming uh, for the next school year. So, but this one went by quickly. It, it sure Kentucky did. Derby, Kentucky Derby has been uh, run and, you know, first Saturday of May. Um, and uh, here we are in May and got to get ready because what happens in June in Florida? It's the beginning of hurricane season. I was going to say it gets hot. It's <laughs> already getting hot. So we got we to use May to prepare for uh, hurricane season, which I thought ended earlier, but it's about four or five months long, right? Hurricane season lasts for till November. So, right. so lots yeah. going on. So here we are in May and almost the end of the school year. And uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about teenagers today. Yes, we are. We're good. You know, there, there's been a number of articles that's come out recently about teenagers and, um, and, and of course, teenagers are, uh, make up a lot of the, our, our, the population of patients that we see here. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Well, at least families of teenagers, um, right. you know, parents right. often bring their, their teenagers in. And it's one of the, one of the most challenging mm -hmm. initial visits to have because so often parents bring teenagers in and, the teenager doesn't want to be here. Oh boy, do they ever? They <laughs> often happens. Um, the teenager doesn't want to be here, and the parents drag them in, and um, you know, many times just bring them into the office and say, "Fix them. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong." Um, right. and, and you know, we've even had families, you know, look at the teenager and say, "You know, he he is the problem in the family." Right. And um, so we're going to talk about some of those challenges this year, and and in this podcast and really emphasize, you know, having some of those really difficult conversations that we have to have with our teenagers sometimes. That's right. Um, and finding that space that, and that's what we're going to talk about today with, with a couple of podcasts that we're going to invest some time. We're going to invest a little time and energy in, in, in uh, finding that place where we're giving up control but we're still remaining, we're still being present. Right. Okay? That's, a, that's a delicate balance for, for parents to find. It's not right. easy. Um, this, the, the teenage years, the teenage years are especially challenging. Every, every stage has its challenges. I mean, raising an infant, um, getting a kid ready for kindergarten, getting through elementary school, they're all, each period has its challenges, but for some reasons, uh, the teen years seem to be especially challenging. And yeah. Teenagers just seem to find a, a many ways to step on our last nerve, okay? But we want to begin with a, with a couple of reminders. Number one, a teenager is not just a bigger 10-year-old. Right. Okay. They're, so you can't use the same kind of, we call it monitor and control, that you can do with a, with a seven or eight-year-old. If you have a third or fourth grader, you know, you can monitor their schoolwork, you can monitor their behavior, you can monitor their sleep, you can monitor their eating, and you can control all that stuff. But a teenager is not just a bigger child. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they are a different species altogether. And you have to start thinking them, uh, thinking about them as, as though they are different. That, that's right. And they're not adults. That's right. You know, so so you still need to be um, a guiding and very patient presence in their lives to help them through this transition. Uh, you, you have to think of the teenage years as a transition from childhood to adulthood. And it's not always an easy transition. Um, it's it's difficult for most. Most kids get through it, mm-hmm. but sure. without too many wounds. But but it, it is a difficult transition. And at some point in the transition, you have to let go. You you're, you you have to let go of control. And the sooner you do that, the better. Okay. Right. And we we've talked in in previous podcasts about detachment parenting, for example. Um, you know, during the early years of, in ch- of childhood, we really focus on attachment parenting where you're building and nurturing that right. connection between you and your child. But by the time they're reaching adolescence and, and really in the preteen years, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe starting around 11 or 12, you're right. going to want to start to detach, allowing them more um, liberties to to go out and, you know, let's be honest, to go out and make mistakes Go out and make some mistakes right. and, and, and attempt new things. Um, and, and part of the reason why that's so important and part of the reason why adolescence is so challenging is because there's there's several things that occur during adolescence that, that are relatively unique, um, right. at least mm-hmm. un- unique um, in that they it hasn't happened previously since they were two <laughs> or, or about to. Right. And that is you know, one of the things is that their brain undergoes a great a, a number of changes. Right. Uh, new neurons are, are, are developed and there's there's more competence. So there's more skills, there's more understanding, but also there's more chemicals and there's more chaos and there's more, um, you know, uncertainty in their brain um, all at the same time. So at the same time that they're feeling mm-hmm. more competent and more, um, you know, wanting to gain that more independence, they're also less sure about things. They're also sometimes insecure about things. And all of this is happening at the same time. Right. It it can lead to a lot of confusion for kids, for for teenagers. Right. Right. And what parents have to remember, as you get ready for these teenage years, and you can feel them coming. I mean, you, you you get to later elementary school, and as you're approaching middle school, you can feel the child beginning to change. And that brain change that occurs at puberty that's what creates a very different child. The, right. the child you get after puberty is very different than the child you had prior to puberty. Right. Things are going on in their brain that are all new. And you need to accommodate to this new person, the, the new person. The second thing that's happening beside the brain changing is this is the period in their lives when they're deciding who they are. Right. You know, people say, well, what is all this gender? Blah? We have always done that. I mean, there's nothing new about gender identity. Um, this has been going on for thousands of years. That during following puberty, kids begin to make decisions about who they are, and uh, we call that identity development. Mm-hmm. And in the teenage years, a child either develops a clear sense of who they are, or they're confused about who they are. And so one, the other, the other struggle they have besides the brain struggle and, and being impelled to do what, what adults think of as crazy things 
In addition to them being impelled to do those things, they're also struggling with it, with their identity. Who who am I? What do I want to be? Am, am I any good at anything? And that's all going on too. So this is a unique period in in the, in our species. The 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 period from puberty to age twenty or twenty one is a unique time in our species, and we have to deal with the child, the teenager that we have then, and because it's different from the child that we have been raising for the past 10 or 11 years. Yeah. And, and I think that's that, that stage that you're talking about that where they're trying to develop their identity is, is really critical because right. if they, if they don't, you, you know, if you think about the cascading events, if the parent doesn't let go and doesn't allow the teenager to explore and, and figure out who they are sort of independent of the parent, right. Then, then that, identity develop is stifled it 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 right. it's, it's slowed or even stopped right the point that you know this is why we see a lot of now 20 year olds who have no idea who they are they don't know what they want where they're going what they stand for what they believe they don't know any of those things because to that point they've just been told what to do what to be right. who they mm -hmm. are They've been told all of that for, for all of their life. And so they haven't had that opportunity to develop that. And it's just really important that parents understand that how your teenager turns out has more to do with the teenager than it does with you. Absolutely. And we have to emphasize that over and over and over again. How they turn out is more about the child than the parent, right. no matter what you do. And you have to give your child a chance to, to go through this discovery. You have to give them the opportunity. Yes, it's dangerous. Yes, it's risky. But you have to give them that because parents cannot control how their kids turn out. I don't care what you do. Eventually, right. the person is going to become the person. Right. I mean, we we know there are several people that we know personally who, um, you know, they seem to have done so much in their with their children as they were growing up. And then as they work through adolescence, right. they're... they're their, their teenagers became very different people. And now even as young adults, they're, they're very different than what, what they would have looked at, looked like, you know, as, as children. And right. so, you know, where kids wind up is, you know, is really a manifestation of, of who they are and how they work through that process of identity mm -hmm. development and, and, you know, just the interconnections of their biology with their social relationships and all these other things. Right. And for the most part, parents really need to back off and get out of the way of some of that. That's right. Right. You know, we see it. One of the one of the classic examples of this is the is the dad who wants his child to be an athlete. Right. And so they do everything they can. And then the child gets to age 12 or 13 and quits. That's not right. what the child wanted. A child didn't want to be a linebacker. He wanted to be a ballet dancer. They're right. just they're going to quit. Right. And, you know, how many times have we seen, you know, parents come in with their, and, and for listeners, you know, recognize that we live in, in Central Florida, you know, parents come in driving, you know, very large, you know, four-wheel drive pickup trucks with, you know, deer, it's the other meat bumper stickers and, and things like that. And the kid comes in and wants to be a vegetarian. Um <laughs> And it's because they want to, they just want to be different than what they've had and what they've been. The, they want, and they want to explore who they are. You know, right. these are my parents. I'm not my parents. I'm somebody else. I'm independent. I'm unique. 
I want to explore who I am. I want to find out who I am. That's what they're, they're not being disobedient or defiant. They're simply pursuing who they are. Right. So, so while they're not ready yet to make big major decisions, they, they're not ready to take on that. And so that's why we don't let, you know, 14 year olds get tattoos and things like that. Right. Um, and we don't, we don't really let, you know, 14 year olds, 15 year olds quit school and, and, and do those kinds of things. We, we have to, we have to let them make some decisions in, in their, in their life. Um, right. All while recognizing that they, that they are also at a heightened risk for, for, challenges, mental health challenges, but also, you know, physical dangers and things like that, because my goodness, you're going to put a 16 year old behind a, behind the wheel of a car. Right. That's right. And so that's that spot that we're talking about is that, um, how do I get, how do I allow my child to explore, you know, to go out there and, and make some mistakes and find out who you are. And at the same time, keeping them safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for. Because we have to remember that at, at age six, we, we, say, we say, well, by 18, a child should be um, independent and be able to manage on their own. No, 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 no. Let's go back to 16, 15 or 16, because once you hand your child the keys to the car, right, you can monitor where they are, mm-hmm. but you can't control what they do. Right. So that by age 16, you're no longer in control. You, right. you might control some things. Okay, you can take their cell phone, but once you hand them the keys to the car or once they get in the car with a friend, Mm -hmm. you're not there anymore. So you have to have accomplished this task by the time they're about 15 or 16, because they're going to go places and you're not going to be there. Okay, which is different from when your child was nine or 10. You were always present Okay, from age 16. So whatever you're going to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish with this child to make sure the child is making good decisions, you have until they're about 16. Yeah. And so, so as we mentioned, you know, adolescence is this time of, of turmoil. There's these brain changes that are happening both structurally and, and chemically mm-hmm. um, hormonal changes. You know, puberty is happening all at the same time. And so they are also at a heightened risk for mental health problems. Right. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that um, young adults, you know, 18 to 25 have the highest prevalence of mental health um, concerns of, of any really, really any age group. And suicide is the fourth leading cause uh, of death globally um, mm-hmm. for, for teenagers. So mental health issues are are very prevalent during this stage, not and it's not foreboding that, you know, just because they have some mental health issues going on during adolescence, that it's going to be with them for the rest of their life. That's, that's mm-hmm. certainly not the case. But while they're going through this turmoil, this, this right. adolescence, you know, they, they are likely to experience some of these challenges, which is going to make it more difficult for parents and more difficult for that parent-child relationship. Right, right. But what you have to be careful of is what we call the parent trap. Don't fall for the parent trap because because we know that kids are at risk because their school performance is going to go up and down and they're they're going to change from there. Because we know all that, parents are always tempted to grab the reins and regain control. By God, I'm going to regain control of this. My child is getting defiant. My child is making bad decisions. So by golly, I know what's best and I'm going to take control. 
If you insist on control, you're going to risk damaging the relationship that you have with your child. Your child needs to be able to make some mistakes to become competent. And they're going to want to be able to do that without too much interference and too much control. And so you're going to risk damaging that relationship with your child. And what they're going to do is if uh, the more the parent tries to impose control, the more the child will circumvent those rules or they will simply withdraw emotionally. You you know, and and we have kids who come in here and say, it doesn't matter what I do. You know, I'm going to get punished. I know that my mother's going to find something wrong. If I do these 10 things right, it doesn't matter because she's going to find some reason to to regain, to, to take control, to take my phone. It's a no win. I, there's nothing I can do about it. And so the child withdraws emotionally from the parent-child relationship. Nobody wants that or no parent wants that. You can have control, but you're going to pay a price for it. Right. Yeah. And, and it, there's there's always the, you know, the, the, the lack of understanding, it seems, with, with some parents where you know they they are working so hard to to keep that you know to keep hold of the reins to to keep tight control over their teenager right. mm-hmm. but at the same time like truly believing that in 2 years when the kid is 18 and graduates high school that the kid is going to move away and and do great at you know this high performing college um this demanding college and and they think you know well, my kid won't do the, any of their schoolwork or anything here in high school without me being all over them all the time. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pay you know ten thousand dollars a semester and send them away to uh, a college, um, and he'll be perfectly successful there. Right. What evidence do we have that that's going to be the case? Because you're not allowing him to build the skills that he's going to need to be successful at that school. That's right. And that's what we mean by detachment parenting. You have to continue. You have to back out of the relationship as the child gets older and the risks get higher and the consequences are are bigger. You have to back out. You have to have the courage to let the child develop. We know it's risky, but you have to allow the child to develop competence and they're not going to develop that competence unless they have the freedom to do so. If you demand to have control, your child is not going to be able to develop that competence that he's going to need when they go off to college, when they drive a car, when they're at a party and they're, they've had too much to drink. You know, what do you want? What kind of relationship do you want to have? Do you want your child to be able to call you and say, Hey, look, I've had too much to drink. Or do you want them to be afraid to tell you that they've had too much to drink? Okay. So, so, Part of all of this, part of this role of parenting, you know, our, our, our teenagers is having conversations with them about some of these things. You know, we want our yeah. teenagers to feel comfortable coming to us and talking to us about things. And as you just said, in that perfect example, you know, either your child is going to feel comfortable coming to you and talking to you about some things. There will still be lots of things that they will not come and talk to you about. Right. Just be aware of that. But if we want them to be able to come to us and talk to them, to talk to us about issues or that we can bring things up with them. We have to be able to manage some of these difficult conversations. And so one of the, some of the information we pulled from one of the articles in the, um, 
that's in the show notes is, you know, some steps that parents can take to, you know, to think about at least when having these difficult conversations. Right. Yeah. Whether it's about is, drugs. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's around about drugs or relationships or schooling, or whatever mm-hmm. it's about. Um, but the first thing to, to consider is using um, neutral, factual types of information. Mm-hmm. Um, parents so often throw so much emotion um, mm-hmm. into conversations with their teenagers, which makes it more about the parent than about what's going on with the teenager. Mm-hmm. And the parent just keeps talking and talking and talking. And so the parent, you know, one of the things that's encouraged is parents to use neutral sort of factual information and then stop talking and see what what the, the teenager does from there. Do they take responsibility or do they try to talk themselves out of it? You know, what mm-hmm. happens after that factual information is presented? But parents have to stop talking to be able to get to that. How many times, Bernie, how many times have parents come in and say, I found a vape pen in the bedroom and by God, I'm going to slam the door on this one. Right. No, you're not. You're not going to slam anything. It's at that moment that you all you have to do is say, sweetheart, found this vape pen um, in your bedroom, in your backpack, and then stop talking. See how the child responds. What does the child say? Do they take responsibility? I'll tell you what they're going to say. Oh, that's not mine. That's a, fr- a friend of mine. I'm just I'm just carrying it around. No, no, that's his. It wouldn't be in his backpack if it wasn't his or hers. See what they say. See if they take responsibility. You want to know if your child is going to start accepting responsibility for their behavior. That's why they can't be afraid to talk to you. If they're afraid of you taking their cell phone because you found a vape pen, they're going to lie. They're right. going to tell you whatever they, you think they think you want to hear to avoid the punishment. Okay, don't go down that path. Right. Start with a neutral, factual observation, sweetheart. I found this vape pen in your backpack. Then shut. Please don't say anything after that. See what the child is going to say and give them a chance to explain themselves. Right. You don't have to do anything else. Just have that conversation. You know, when when, when families come into our office. And, you know, many times for our first sessions, we'll have both the, the, the teenager and the parent in the office at the same time. And, and just to kind of, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys here? Mm-hmm. And it's during that first five or 10 minutes of a session that you can see exactly how these dynamics work in the family. Right. Because if I ask a teenager, so what, what brings you here today? And we sit there in silence Mm-hmm. And for about five or 10 seconds, and then all of a sudden the parent jumps in and starts talking for the teenager. Now I know that the parent is primarily doing the talking. Right. The parent yeah. is the one that's talking at the teenager and the teenager just stands there. And so if you have that type of history with your teenager, when you if you decide, OK, hey, these sound like some good steps that we're going to start implementing in our home for sure. with our teenager. And you find that you make a statement like, hey, buddy, I, I found this vape pen in your, um, in your backpack. Tell me about what's going on. Tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just stand there in silence. That's a good indication that you should have that says you've been doing too much talking in the past. Right. right. Because if they if they know that all I have to do is stand here and be quiet for a few minutes and then she's just going to keep going. Right. So he's not, he's not going to say anything. Um, mm-hmm. and you're right. He's going to put it off that it's, you know, a, a friend's or, or someone else's. Um, 
that doesn't mean that you pounce and say, okay, you're lying to me and you're doing this, you're doing that. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not accusing. We're not, we're not jumping to those kinds of things, but we're, we're just listening and being cognizant of, of what they're saying and, and what they're suggesting in, in their comment and the response. Right. Yeah. Now that, so, so that's how you open up these conversations. Just state what you found. I found that a friend of mine found a can of um, chew, uh, snuff mm-hmm. uh, and his son was in college. I think he had gone off to college and they were packing his stuff and out falls this can of snuff. And the dad just put it on his dresser and, and, you know, just put a little note on it. And that was all there was. And, and that's all, but that's all that was needed. And the son stopped using it. Eventually he stopped using it. Um, the second thing is a little harder for many parents, and that is that when you ask questions, try to ask questions that invite a conversation. Remember, during the adolescent years, you're moving from an adult-child relationship to an adult-adult relationship. So what you want to do is you want to have a con- you want to ask a question that invites the child into the conversation. Rather than challenging, rather than challenging them to give you the answer that you want, you know mm-hmm. that. And so, so think of it. Think of your teenager not as a child, but pretend that you're talking to an adult. What kind of a question would you ask if you were talking to another adult? Okay? Right. And that's how you should be talking to your teenager because you want to create an adult-adult relationship, not an adult-child relationship. Right. And, and so it, it could go something like you know, hey, buddy, I found this vape pen in your backpack. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's going on? Oh, it's not mine. You know, um, Richard gave it to me and he asked me to hold on to it. Right. Um, That's what that's the first thing you're going to hear. Right. And you say, okay, okay, well, can you tell me what's going on? Is is everything okay with Richard? Or, um, you know, but what what do you think might happen if if somebody finds that somebody at school finds that in your backpack? Right. You know, I'm a little bit worried about what could happen if, if somebody found it in your backpack when you were holding it for, for Richard. What and do you yeah, think will happen? Talking. That's what do you think will happen? Now you're inviting the child to talk. Right. Now, and I'm not saying it in an accusatory way. Oh, what do you think is going to happen when mm-hmm. somebody, you know, when I find this or when I do this or when you're not doing it like that, it's you're, you're showing some concern because we should be concerned in these situations. Yeah, you could say what. Yeah, you could say what's what is the school's policy on this? Have, have they have they talked to you about this at school? Um, if they find a pen in your, you know, do you, what have they told you? What are the school policies on this? Yeah. Okay, well then you're taking a little bit of a risk. Does this put you at risk? You know, and the child may say, no, it's not a problem. We don't do this. We don't have that. But if the child later in the day gets caught and they get a consequence, say, oh, okay, that's the child's consequence. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn this stuff. Right. And, and then bringing in that th- the third step with this is using mm-hmm. reflections or, you know, repeating back so that you make sure that you understand. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, Richard is whatever Richard's going through. You know, he had this vape pen and he was worried that he was going to get in trouble. And so he asked you to hold on to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like, you know, Getting helping him get out of trouble, maybe putting you in a position that could get you in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, have you have you thought about how you're going to handle something like that? Again, right. asking them what their problem solving is, and then stop talking. 
Right. Stop talking. Yes. Let them talk. Mm -hmm. Let them talk. I think that's the the biggest mistake we all make as parents is we want to get our perspective, which is what the fourth step is. We want to get our perspective. We want to regain control. We hit that panic button and we want to regain control when we should do everything you can to get the child talking to you about their perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you, work on work towards ending it by saying, you know, well, I just want you to know that, you know, when I found it, it made me a little bit concerned. I'm a mm-hmm. little bit worried, you know, about what's going on with you and, and you know, hoping that you don't get in trouble or have any problems mm-hmm. because I found this in here. But, um, you know, I, I so I just wanted you to know what's happening, what that mm-hmm. I found it. And, you know, let me know, please talk to me when other things are going on, or, you know, can you yeah. talk to Richard and get this back to him so that, you know, you don't get into trouble right. and, um, you know, that you stay safe. And, and you don't need to have the child admit that they're vaping. <laughs> Believe me. Okay. Right. Clearly it's their pen. They're vaping. You already know that. So you don't have to go down that path with them. You, you already know what you're looking for. They're vaping. Okay. Right. Hopefully they're not vaping cannabis or some other drug, but you now know that they're vaping and now you can have a conversation about that. But all you can do is have a conversation because the last step in this process, the fifth step is you have to acknowledge that you're not in control. By right. the way, your teenager already knows you're not in control. Right. They know that you can't control their vaping. Right. So so let's let's both acknowledge that. Right. Again, this is that adult adult relationship. Okay. Your teen already knows you can't do anything about their vaping. Right. So, but you want to give, you want to give them the responsibility that they, they already possess. They already have the responsibility. Mm-hmm. You want to give it back. You want to make sure that it's their decision. You're not going to do anything about it. You right. can't do anything about that. Right. So, so backing away from that, um, that tendency to, overcompensate by applying more rules. And you know what, then you're not going to talk to Richard anymore, you know, um, or you can't go, go out with Richard. That, that's you, you can't stop them from talking to a friend. If that, mm-hmm. especially if that friend goes to their school, I mean, right. are you going to stop them from going to school? Yeah. No. And so, um, so again, back away from those urges um, because that's man, parents really want to lock that down and just say, Hey, you know, I, I really hope that you're able to handle this and, um, you know, let me know if you if you need any help handling it, um, mm-hmm. because I think that this is, you know, this is kind of can be kind of serious and the trouble right. that you can get in is kind of serious. Mm-hmm. Now, right. if you find that vape pen again the next week and then the next week and then the next week, OK, now your conversation is going to be different mm-hmm. because now we're having a pervasive problem. Um, right. But that's not going to happen most of the time. Not with with yeah. most kids. That's not going to be the way that it works out. Right. So that's right. And I was going to make a point, and I forgot what. Yeah, I started to listen to you, and I forgot what I was going to say. Finish what. Finish what you were saying. No. No. The the right. if you. Oh, I know what it was. If you're a parent, and you find yourself saying things like, "By God, I'm going to take everything out of his room and take the door off the hinges." Mm-hmm you know that you're headed in exactly the wrong direction. That's the first clue. When you have an urge to slam down on these kids, that by God, I'm going to get control of this once and for all. When you feel yourself, uh, when you feel those, those feelings emerging, 
that's when you know you're headed in exactly the wrong direction. That's the time to stop and come in, get some perspective, and let's rework this thing because you're headed in a direction that's not going to work for you or your teenager. That's right. So, so we're not asking that you surrender no. everything mm-hmm. and, and give give over everything to to the teenager. We're not we're not asking or expecting anybody to do that. Right. However, you have to adjust to the new types of relationships that you have to be built. You, you need mm-hmm. to build during adolescence, and, and you have to use some slightly different strategies than you would have used if they were eight years old. Now that you're 15 or 16 years old, you have to use different strategies. You you just have to because their brain is different, their their perspective is different, and their life is different now as in adolescence than it was as a child. That's right. So keep in mind what we're saying is they're not adults yet. We acknowledge that. We're not dealing with just a little adult. So we're not asking you to give give them the reins and say, here, just go ahead and live your life. No, they're not ready. Excuse me. Bless you. Goodness. Allergy season. We're not saying give because they're not adults. And we're also saying they're not children. Right. Okay. So don't treat them as though, don't give them the reins, but don't try to control. There's some place between those two where you have to parent differently when you have a teenager. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is it for today. We'll, we'll talk more about teenagers in the coming weeks uh, for fun times. So until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.